the overarching theme being be different. And if you've not been a part of the series up to this point, we've only been in it since January 8th. So if you want to get caught up, you got a bit of work ahead of you. Uh, we are coming to the end. This is the second last installment of B, and it's crazy to think that we have been on one series from January all the way into May, so this is finally coming to an end. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have, um, but as much as I have loved this series, I am excited about the next one. Our next series, starting in two weeks, is called Elementary, and we're going to look at some of what Scripture calls the elementary things of our faith. That these are the things that the, the apostles considered uh, basic beliefs for us as believers. And it may shock you some of the things that we go over. But I think it's important for that refresher and even just maybe a change of perception. Because what we consider basic might not be what scripture considers basic. So it's going to be a fun series. I'm going to do my absolute best to unpack it to the best of my ability. Um, but we are in Matthew 7, if you have your physical Bible, start at verse 13, and we are looking at the phrase, enter the kingdom of God. This is going to come up a couple times over this passage, and uh, it's an important one. I think this is a question that many Christians and unbelievers have, is what's, what's the entrance exam? What, are, what can I do to get in? What can I do to maybe not get in? And... Uh, we're going to unpack all of that this morning over the course of the passage. So, without any further delay, verse 13. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult. And only a few ever find it. Um, <coughs> interesting that phrase highway to hell most of your translations probably say uh highway to destruction because we don't like saying that word and uh you know acdc wrecked that line you know everyone's thinking about the song now um <laughs> shell right up there yep that's all i can think about now i had a half a thought of playing it just to kind of get us really into the mood I felt maybe that was inappropriate. Um, but this is really important. Remember that Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience, and Jesus is teaching to a primarily Jewish audience. And this idea of the narrow gate and the narrow path would have sparked remembrance of lots of Old Testament teaching, especially in the prophets. The prophets often said that although many are called, only a remnant will remain. Even though many will go into exile, only a very few will come back. And the New Testament picks this up and they use language like elect and chosen. And it makes this, gives us this idea that though many are invited, though salvation is for everyone, it's actually going to be a very small crowd who fully accept the invitation. It's going to be a very small crowd that actually, that actually get it. <laughs> And I find it interesting as I think about faith and life, so often we pursue, and when I say we, I mean general broad society, we so often try to take the easy path. We so, we so often try to take the way of comfort, the way of least resistance. What Jesus is saying is you can take the way of least resistance, you can take the path, the easy path, uh, but broad is, this, broad is the highway 
and wide is the gate uh, that leads to death, destruction, and as the NLT puts it, that leads to hell. If anyone ever told you that becoming a Christian is going to make your life easier, uh, they completely overlooked this passage. In fact, they overlooked much of Jesus' teaching. Jesus said that if you declare yourself a follower of me because of my name, the world is going to turn against you. You will have family members turn against you. You have friends turn against you. The world will be out to just completely derail you. Becoming a Christian does not make life easier, but it gives life purpose. It gives life blessing. It removes the guilt and stress of life. There's a lot of good things that come out of becoming a Christian. So much of what we're looking for in life. But it's not joy that we get in the midst of easy street, but we get joy in the midst of the trial. We have peace in the midst of the trials. We have love and all the fruit, and we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but life doesn't get easier and in fact many of us could probably testify that our faith has actually cost us a lot and Jesus didn't shy away from that he didn't sugarcoat that when he spoke about it and I think the problem is is that when we think about life and we think about the high the broad way and the difficult road when things get tough when we need that little stress relief what do we often do we jump on the broad highway And we do the things that are contrary to God's teaching. We do the things that are contrary to God's heart. And we just, but we don't stay there. We just jump on the highway for a little bit, you know, take the pressure off a little bit. And then we get back to the hard way. And then, oh, life's getting hard again. Life's getting stressful again. So we'll jump back on easy street for a little bit. And what we don't realize is the more often we detour back to easy street, the harder it starts to get to get off of it. Because we might get onto lane one, and there's an easy off, but all of a sudden we're on the second lane, we've got to wait for a guy to get out of the way, and all of a sudden we're in the middle of the highway, and it's really hard to get off. Jesus says, stay away from the easy street, stay away from, from making it too easy, and the one thing that has come up over and over and over again in this idea of B is Jesus continually bumps up the bar. And the point isn't to discourage us. The point isn't to make life seem harder than it actually is. The point is to make us understand that the entrance into the kingdom is really high and we can't do it on our own. So praise God that when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, He gives us the Holy Spirit that gives us everything that fills the gap. Praise God we don't have to do it on our own, but that the Holy Spirit comes and He strengthens us and gives us wisdom and knowledge. And and because of Him, because of Christ in us, we are able to meet the standard. Because of Christ in us, we are able to elevate ourselves. Because on our own, it is impossible. And Jesus said that with with man, this is impossible. But with God, anything is possible. So my question this morning is, which path do you find yourself on this morning? Do you find yourself taking the easy way more times than maybe you're willing to, you'd like to admit? Or are you sticking it out? And I hope, my prayer for you this morning is that we find ourselves, even though it may be tough, even though the way may be difficult, the gate may be narrow, that we're sticking it out. Because we don't want to be the kinds of believers that just flake out at the first time of trouble. And the reality is, is that if we think we're facing struggles now, you should look at what our brothers and sisters are facing in Russia and in Turkey and in those countries where you can't be a Christian openly. 
we can gather. I can broadcast this message to as many people, and I don't have no secret police kicking down the door and tasering me, which I found out someone in the church got tasered this weekend just for fun. <laughs> I don't want that. That's not fun for me. I just say it. I don't. It's not an experience I need. No matter how tough life may be, we got it pretty easy. We really do. Continuing on, verse 15. Uh, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit. And a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can identify people by their actions. Twice in this passage, Jesus said, the fruit that I'm talking about is the actions. And instantly our minds should go back to Jesus' teaching in Matthew 5 where he said, let your good deeds be seen. Now in that instance, Jesus was saying, let your good deeds be seen so that your heavenly Father can be glorified. Like I said, our communities would be so blessed if all of us as church people just suddenly started doing good things in our community, and the only thing that connected us was God. So all praise to God that he has led his people to do great and marvelous things. Hallelujah. But Jesus is saying here, and he's not saying pass judgment on people. Don't see the fruit and be like, oh, you're a bad person. No. He's just saying, value, evaluate the fruit. Same way you see an apple and know that it came from an apple tree. You see oranges that came from an orange tree. Know that good fruit comes from a good tree and bad fruit comes from a bad tree. So what is fruit? Well, we have the Galatians 5 passage that most people will think of. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness and self-control there is no law against these things paul tells the galatians but it goes a step further in acts 20 paul talks about how those who are the wolves those vicious wolves um, are the kind of people who take the word of god and they twist it for their own personal gain he said you'll know the wolves because they're not going to be pointing people to jesus they're going to be pointing people to themselves that's how you see a wolf. That's how you know whether or not they're a false prophet and they're, they're leading people astray because it's not about Jesus. It's not about what God is doing. It's about what they're doing. Look at me. Come to me. Draw, be drawn to me. <coughs> and the really easy question I have for you this morning is what kind of fruit are you producing? Oops. Getting ahead of myself. That is the question that's coming next. Um, but Jesus is saying, be aware, be watchful, look for those, watch for what kind of fruit people are producing. And when you see the wrong kind of fruit, come alongside them. Because why? The trees that produce bad fruit, what's going to happen? Chop, fire, that, again, not an experience I want. It's right up there with getting tased. Don't want that. But it's not a judgment thing. It's not a condemning thing that's come alongside and saying, hmm, worried about you. Worried about what you're seeing, or what I'm seeing. 
I want to encourage you. I want to build you up. Because I'm not seeing joy and peace and patience. I'm seeing frustration. I'm seeing anger. I'm seeing division. I'm seeing gossip. I'm seeing, and I could get into that list. That's a big list. And you know it. We're not, we don't need to be told what the good and the bad fruit are. There's things that are right in line with God's teaching. There's things that are right in line with God's character. And there's things that aren't. The things that aren't are bad fruit. And the question you might have is, well, what if I see a wolf? What if I notice somebody who is this false prophet who's leading people away? Well, I found this fable. I thought it was great. I'm going to read it to you. Be encouraged, maybe. I don't know. Or have a good laugh. Whatever. One of Aesop's fables is about a hungry wolf that put sheepskin over himself and cruised into the sheepfold. It just so happened that the same night, the shepherd also had a strange craving for mutton. So he went out to his sheepfold and plunged his knife into the biggest sheep in the flock, which, of course, turned out to be the wolf. The wolf who was disguised as a sheep was eventually dealt with by the shepherd. So too, our good shepherd watches out for his flock. You don't have to worry about the wolves. Be aware of them. Keep your distance from them. But know that we serve the good shepherd who's, gonna, who's also aware of them. He's going to take care of them. So this is where that whole you don't pass judgment idea comes. It's not up to you to judge. It's not up for us to cast them out. We have a good shepherd who's going to deal with it. And maybe the dealing with it is he speaks to the overseeing shepherd. And I deal with it. Or you come to me, let me know about it, and I will address it. Because that's my job. I am your shepherd. I watch over you. I protect you. I lead you. I feed you. You come to me, and I'll deal with it. The question I have is, how is your fruit? You look at your life, what kind of fruit are you producing? The other scripture I think of when it comes to fruit is Jesus teaches his disciples in John that if you don't abide in me and I don't abide in you, it's actually impossible for you to bear good fruit. So how are you, how's your abiding? How's your connection to the Lord Jesus? How's your connection with your Heavenly Father? Because without Him, it's impossible for you to bear good fruit. How's your fruit this morning? Continuing on. Verse 21. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name cast out demons in your name and perform any miracles in your name but I'll reply I never knew you get away from me you who break God's law I don't know about you but every time I come upon this passage I get a little worried because I came to you and I said hey you know what one of our council members has been casting out demons another one's been prophesying another one's been healing people miraculously we're all like "Woo! they're killing it in this Christian thing They're doing awesome. And yet Jesus just said that there's going to be some of those who come and they say this and they're like, I never knew you. Excuse me? That doesn't track. Doesn't make sense. So what's going on here? how, How can somebody be doing such amazing things and yet get to the gates of eternity? And Jesus is like, I never knew you. You go away, you workers of evil. Well, one commentator had three possible co- explanations for this. Uh, number one, they lied. 
They lied. And maybe not intentionally, not maliciously, but they, they maybe had every intention to do those things. They had every intention to step into the power of God and let Him do what only He can do. Maybe he, they wanted to, but they never actually did. So, so they lied. And we can do that to ourselves. We trick ourselves, right? We can have the best intentions and we can convince ourselves that we did something that we didn't actually do. Or is it just me? They lied. Number two, they did them all by the power of Satan. In Acts, we read about Simon the sorcerer doing these great miracles, but we know from the account that he never had the Holy Spirit dwelling within him. So how was he able to pull these things off? Well, there's another option. And we, we, have a, we have a spiritual enemy who loves to counterfeit the things of God. And he will counterfeit anything he can if it means that he's going to deceive the believer. And keep the unbeliever deceived. We so often underestimate our, our enemy and we think, oh, we're... Uh, I almost said a phrase that would throw someone under a bus, but I'll withhold. We so often talk about our spiritual enemy like he's so easily defeated. He's not easily defeated. Not by your strength, not by mine. He's defeated by Christ and Christ alone. And he is powerful, and he is deceptive, and he is the father of all lies. And if he can trick you by doing something, he will. So how do they do these things? Well, maybe they did it by the power of Satan. The third option God used them in spite of themselves. We know all throughout Scripture there have been many people who are far from God, and yet God still used them. King Saul prophesied, even though his heart was completely inward focused, and he just wanted his own gain. Caiaphas, who was completely opposed to Jesus during Jesus' ministry, prophesied through the power of God. Balaam in Genesis, Genesis, Exodus, was brought to prophesy a curse over the people of Israel and he blessed them in the name of God but he clearly is not a God follower God will use you in spite of yourself and I even in my own experience I have been praying and seeking God and asking him for answers for things and God will use someone who is far from God to answer my prayer God is not limited by our willingness God is not limited by our Devotion to him, God can use anyone to accomplish his will because he's the all-powerful. God will accomplish what he needs to accomplish and he'll use whoever he needs to use to do it. So even though these people have used, done great and amazing things, it doesn't mean that they were walking in step with who God is and what God had called them to. But there's another explanation that I think, and this is where I'm going to conclude Jesus finishes this passage by saying, I never knew you. I never knew you. Now, that's a weird statement to be made by a God who knows everything, knows everybody, formed every person in their mother's womb and knew every one of their days before they lived. One, how in the world does the all-knowing God not know who these people are? And I'm sure some of you have heard this before. And if you haven't, I'm glad I can bestow some new wisdom on you. And some of us need to be reminded of this, that there's a difference between knowing somebody and knowing about somebody. Right? I, I can tell you, I know 
that Trevor Harris is the new quarterback for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I know that he played really good for some teams and really bad for other teams. I'm really hoping he plays really good for our team. I know lots about him, but I don't know him. And he certainly doesn't know me or know about me, unless he's watching right now. Otherwise, hey, Trevor, thanks for tuning in. Um, cover my bases just in case. He doesn't, but I, I can't go up and shake his hand and see how he's doing and find out how. He doesn't know me, and I don't know him. It's the same in our, when we come to our faith. God knows everything there is to be known about you. He knows your thoughts. He knows your intentions. He knows your heart. He knows everything about you. But the question is, is does he know you? Do you have a relationship with him? And more importantly, not only does God know you, do you know God? And we get back to that song closer where it's talking about God, show me your heart, show me your ways. The only way we learn those things in, is by relationship. Because I don't know Trevor Harris, but I know you to varying degrees. Some I have a really good relationship with, some I don't have. But I know you. I don't just know about you. I don't just have a face for a name, but I, I know you. And God knows you. And my hope is that you know him. And this is a really good opportunity. For, oh, it's not there. It's a good opportunity for me to plug the new uh, <coughs> devotion that we're going through with men's and ladies. If you haven't been to men's and ladies, you missed out. We're going through a devotion called Abide. And it comes from that John teaching where if I abide in you and you abide in me, you'll produce good fruit. And the point of the devotion is to take everything out of knowledge and, and take it out of the book and take it really into this practical approach to who God is and letting God move in us and teach us his ways. To actually hear the voice of God the way that you're hearing my voice right now and the way that we hope that he hears our voice. And the reason we're going through it with the men's and the ladies is we've been going through it with the council and I've seen our council grow and just have this new understanding of who God is and what God wants to do in their lives. And as they have grown, I'm like, I want that for everybody. This is a core part of who one church is, and my hope is at some point all of us will go through it. But it's that idea of it's not about going through the motions. It's not, this, it's not about acting the right way. Because that's what the Old Testament people got caught up on. They just hope if they did the right thing and they gave enough sacrifices and they just, they just went through the motions enough, maybe God would forgive them and save them and move through them. And Jesus comes on the scene and he's like, that's not the point. And he says, it's not about going through the motions, it's about having a relationship. We go back to the Old Testament we see that there's people who have a relationship with God and they talk to God and God talks to them and they are markedly different from everybody else. That's what Jesus came, he died for, to remove that barrier so that we could have that relationship. Because unless we abide in him and he abides in us, we're not going to produce the fruit that we need to produce. So that's my plug. Better show up for men's and ladies next time.